Hey everyone, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and today's episode is one of those like fly on the wall type combos. I am chatting with one of my very close friends, Cameron Rogers, who happens to be the content creator behind Freckled Foodie. Cam and I have been friends now for a few years thanks to the crazy wild west world of Instagram that brought us together. And it is so nuts to think how many of my friends have come into my life because of meeting each other at like events in the city, throughout the country, or just like communicating somehow on Instagram. And Cameron and I immediately headed off. And next thing you know, a couple years later, I'm eating Van Leeuwen's ice cream at her wedding and like bawling over her dad's speech during the reception. In this episode, Freckled Foodie herself fills us in on starting her brand, leaving her full-time job to pursue her own business after a crazy life-altering event, how she overcame food fears and anxieties and body image in the past, and we chat all about her news about being pregnant. Yes, one of my besties is pregnant and is giving birth just a few months after I am giving birth to Ezra's brother. Cam shares her journey getting pregnant, which her and her husband were told that they would have to probably do IVF and then they ended up conceiving naturally. And my heart is overjoyed for the Rogers and their family. And at the very end, Cameron even shares the gender with us. So definitely listen to the end so you can hear if they're having a boy or girl. And she also fills us in on how she's been feeling during the first trimester, which I'm always so interested in like hearing other women's journeys and like how their babies like are impacting their bodies and how you really just like adjust so many parts of your life to like really go with the new rhythm that your body is trying to get used to. And it's like crazy, beautiful love is the best way I can even think to describe it because it's so crazy to think what your body's going through. And some women, you know, they really don't feel well during the first trimester. But at the same time, it's so beautiful to know that you're growing baby inside you and you love them so much already that it's just such a feeling that is unlike any other. This is one of my favorite episodes yet. It's always so much fun to bring on friends and have them share some of their stories. And it's almost like a mini phone catch up on the podcast with you guys. So screenshot when you're listening to the episode, tag Freckled Foodie and I if you feel so inclined over on Instagram. And if you want to leave a little love on iTunes, you guys know how much I absolutely love reading your reviews. So thank you guys so much for all the support. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode and getting to know Cam as much as I do. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I'd love to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Siren Snacks. Siren Snacks and I go way back now. I first tried their plant-based protein bites at a food expo called Expo East a few years ago and fell in love with both the products. And also I got to meet the two sisters who started the company themselves, Elizabeth and Abby. They started the brand so Elizabeth could have a delicious snack that was also friendly for her autoimmune condition, and Abby wanted just a higher in protein snack that didn't have so much sugar in it. What I love about Siren Snacks is how they are in bite form and one bag is a serving size. You can eat them all as is, you can snack on them, put them in a yogurt bowl, on top of a smoothie, anything. They come in various different flavors like dark chocolate brownie, it's actually my personal favorite, lemon poppy seed, another fave, birthday cake, cookie dough, and snickerdoodle. I remember the first day I tried them, I literally ate five bags walking around Expo, which if you guys have been to Expo East before, you kind of know that that's how it goes. 
because I was so excited about all the flavors that they had. I just could not stop putting all the bites into my mouth. They were amazing. All of their products are vegan, non-GMO verified, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. They also expanded beyond protein bites now and now offer a line of organic energy bites with flavors like mocha chip, matcha latte, and their relaxation ones with hemp-derived CBD are a game changer. Those are Jordan's personal favorite. He like always snacks on them at his desk during work. I'm like, okay. He's like, Rach, I'm so trendy with my CBD. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find Siren Snacks in retailers like Target, CVS. I actually just saw them there last week and select Whole Foods locations. Or you could order them online for 15% off with my code RACHL, R-A-C-H-L. I hope you guys love them as much as Ezra and Jordan and I do. And let me know which flavors you guys try too. Now let's dive into today's episode. I, was, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to wait until to tell you during the episode or before. So I was just going to tell you that I know. Oh my God, I'm so cool. This morning I was walking with a friend of mine and she's also pregnant and she's eight weeks on Tuesday. And I was like trying to do the math because you had told me you were nine weeks when I when you had told me. Yeah. I don't remember how many weeks ago that was. I feel like it was two or three. So she might know the gender. But I, I found out last night. Oh my God, I'm so happy we postponed this a week. I know. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, first of all, welcome to Just the Good Stuff. I am so excited to have you here. It's such a treat when I bring on like close friends because like Jordan's like, oh, who are you interviewing? I'm like, Cammy. Like I was I know so I'm so excited to be here. Joe's like, who Joe's like, what are you doing? Because Lucy just dropped off her puppy. And so I like put them in separate rooms. I'm like, Joe, don't come in here. I have an interview. He's like, Oh, are you nervous? Who's it with? I was like, it's with Rachel. No, we're just no. gonna talk. <laughs> no, I love this because I also it's funny because I don't even like to like call the person from front like you're someone I call to like check in to say hello. But if right. I'm going to be like having you on the podcast soon, I don't want to call and be like, hi, I know save everything. I know, and we've got a lot to talk about. I know. And I have my unmade bed that's behind me. So <laughs> I pull on, this is like, you would think it's the first of the month for you. It's a full on no filtered day. I know. Day. I love it. Well, Cammie or Cameron Rogers, I guess I should, I should properly introduce you to everyone. I am so excited to finally bring you on the show. You are truly one of my like most favorite people that Instagram has like brought into my life. Oh my God. And thank you. No, I truly mean, I was actually thinking that when the first time that I had met you, or like seeing you was at that like well, actually, random you, event. Like, yeah, it you, was at, well, no, hold on. Actually, like when did, when do you remember? We it? met at, okay. So I know two things. We actually met at like a small event. And the reason we started talking is because Jordan was there and I started talking to him because he was doing whole 30 at the time and you were posting a lot about it. And I had just finished it. And I started talking to him about it. And he was like, I don't know. We got into conversation. And then he was like, oh, where are you from? Because I mentioned Jersey. And I was like, oh, Princeton. He's like, Rachel's from near Princeton. And I was like, oh, she is. And then he was like, Rachel. And then like someone else at the event was like, oh, yeah, you guys should meet each other. So I think that was the first time we actually met. It was at the event in Soho. Yes. But the first memory I actually have of you is I went to your original. It was, I think, like the first Hello Wellness event. I had literally just started Freckled Foodie like the week before. And I asked, like, you could submit questions. And I submitted a question that was like, I guess, when did you feel confident enough to be your own boss? And you, it was the first one you answered. And so I did go up to you after and I was like, that was my question. Like, thanks for answering, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't like talk. So oh we didn't actually meet. 
but that's my first memory of you. I love that. So we both have like two totally different yes. like, memories of this. Cause my first time that I remember like seeing you and like speaking, like, like out just kind of being like more like an intimate setting was when I was attending, you're we attending the event with Elisa Vitti. And yes. Well, that was right after that was like, I think the okay. same week. It had to have been because I re- and it's so funny with Jordan Whole30, LOL. Like one <laughs> I know, same, me too. 30 days and I wanted to jump out of a window because I had to do all half of the cooking for it and mm-hmm. you couldn't eat perfect bars and I was like, I hate you. Uh, no, but the Elisa Vitti was that week. So it was like those two things were right next to each other. And then when did we go to Equinox and get massages? <laughs> <laughs> well, that must have been later because at that point we were like doing something alone. I think after the Elisa Vitti, we probably like started DMing. Okay. It feels so long ago. And then I think from there, was the Equinox our first like solo hangout? That's like a yes. very random solo hangout. Remember my masseuse was blind. Yes. And he was amazing. It was the best freaking massage of my life. I love the Equinox massages. Oh my God. So that must have been, I don't even know. But then like we started both going to Florida around the same time. And obviously we live near each other. I think we also just like clicked. Like we all yeah. know a couple of people I like went to high school with and like you grew up a right. couple, like over from me. And I always just like get a good vibe from people in the beginning where I know like, okay, like this person's stuff. It's so easy to tell. A hundred percent. Even well, on Instagram, you can kind of get a feel for people where it's like, oh, if we met in real life, we would vibe or, you know, I like your content, but we're just not the same type of person. But then sometimes you meet someone from Instagram and they're so different than they yes. were where it's like you, they have personality and they're like, maybe they're really shy in real life. Yeah. Like for me, it's almost the opposite where I'm more shy on Instagram and in real life, I'm more like a little more vivacious than social media. But I also think that's the hardest thing with having a podcast with guests because some people are really comfortable talking to their Instagram platform because they're in control of the stories. But like, then when they become the guests, they shut down. And I'm like, wait, what happened to that person that I watch on Instagram all the time? I know. I get nervous. I don't have like big enough balls yet to bring people on to the podcast that I really don't know. And it's not like intentional that I haven't brought people on that I, I really don't know that well. I mean, I brought like doctors and like healthcare right. professionals that I obviously like don't talk to on a daily basis, but like I know them well enough where I'm like comfortable, but it's like- They're scary. also professionals and- they yeah, can, like they're very well. Not spoken. that we're not professionals, but they're professionals in that field and can speak to it. A hundred percent, totally. Well, let's backtrack a little bit, and yes. I'd love to have you introduce yourself and tell my listeners like a little bit about you, who you are, and why I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Cameron. You, you can also call me Cammy. Either one is fine. I am the voice behind Preckled Foodie, where I say I'm like a content creator in the health and wellness space, just because I. I'm still struggling with the word influencer. And my mission across my platforms, whether it be Instagram, blog, TikTok, YouTube, and my podcast, Freckled Foodie and Friends, is to make healthy living approachable and to reassure everyone that no matter the emotion they are feeling, they are not alone. So, I mean, I think that I do that in like a relatable, honest, unfiltered type of content. But that's kind of my story. As you mentioned, I'm from New Jersey, Princeton, and I went to college at a small liberal arts school called Lafayette in Pennsylvania, which you did come for a Kid Cudi concert. So we were at a concert together before we knew each other. And then, yeah, that's how you told Jordan. You loved him. And then I went on to work on Wall Street and at JP Morgan in sales and trading for five years. And 
I kind of started Freckle Foodie as like a side thing. Honestly, drunk one night, I thought that I could like get free dinners from the restaurants that I loved. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, Lartuzzi will give me free meals if I have a food porn account. It doesn't happen. Um, And then I don't know. It just took off in a sense. Not that it took off. I haven't like blown up, but it took off for my interest and passion over it because I started to post more and I started to grow a small community. And I just found this engagement that I never knew existed. And it was a creative outlet for me. And it was really focused on food at first. And, you know, we can get into the whole transition period of why I left the corporate world and started doing this full time. But I think now it's transitioned even more like away from food, a little bit more into lifestyle and what I'm going through. And I'm a very open book. And yeah, that's kind of me. You're like very unapologetically you, which I think is a great thing because you you. about there, you put your emotions out there, how you're feeling, and you don't care. Like you give zero fucks about whether someone (laughs) is interested in that or not. And I think that's something that's like very commendable in this space because a lot of people are just like, you know, not people pleasing in like a weird way, but just mm-hmm. they're putting stuff out there that they know isn't going to start like controversy. But you also have right. a lot of passion for everything that you do. And I think that really like shows, but it's been wild to see your brands like really transition in the last mm-hmm. years now for two years full time. Yeah. Almost, I think two and a half. Oh, wow. Almost three. I don't, I'm, what is time anymore? Your, I left um, April 27th. Okay. I knew you know. So like two and a half. Yeah, of course. Duh. Are you kidding? It's the best mine's day of my life. Fourth. I know. Mine's just- <laughs> I know yours is coming up. Oh, that was another thing I did. Sorry. But before our Equinox date, I came to your fired anniversary drinks somewhere. Yeah. You remember that? I, yeah. I was at um the don- something donkey in Soho, like a tequila bar. Yes. And so I remember going to that. And I think that was another thing that like, when we kind of became like, oh, maybe we'll hang out alone. Yeah. I just had that flashback. That's so funny. I like, I don't, I used to go out and celebrate every single year for my fire anniversary. And obviously then I had like Ezra and I. Right. Changes. Yeah. Yeah. You a little bit, you'll see. Um, So I didn't really have a chance to do that anymore. And then we were actually just talking about that. It's like coming up so fast, but so you were at JP Morgan. Yes. That's like a really good job that you had. Like you were doing. Yeah really building, like, I would say like the stereotypical, but like you were building, having, you had like the great stepping stones. Like, really Oh, I had like the there. quote unquote dream career for an economics major. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And so when you were there, what year did you start Freckled Foodie? I wish I actually knew this. I know it was my sister's birthday. So it was June 28th because I came home from her di- birthday dinner and I believe it was a year. I believe I started on a June 28th and then I probably had it for over a year before I left. So almost two years before I left full time. But when I had it and I was at JP, it was like I kept church and state totally separate. My face was never on the platform because I was covering really big accounts as a young associate. And I didn't want them to think any less of me. They already thought I was young. And I would just share, it was honestly a ton of meal prep because that's how I got into cooking. I was meal prepping because my credit card bill was like outrageous. And I was dealing with all these GI issues. And so I was cooking for myself. I was photographing all of it. And then I was sharing it. So on Sundays, I would do like all stories of what I was cooking. And it, I wouldn't even talk to the stories. It would all be like written over. And my little sister, Lucy, was like, the second you start talking to your phone, I'm deactivating your account. 
And I was like, I would never do that. And now it's all I do. I need um, oh, 100%. <laughs> and so basically it was all very like food focused. And I mean, when I left JP, it was still, I think I had like maybe 5,000 followers. I wasn't making any money off of it. Like it was a huge leap of faith risk, like almost yeah. as if it's not that I was starting it from the very beginning, but it wasn't as if I had some business that I was leaving to go continue. I was really, you know, taking a massive risk. But I had, as you know, I had a pretty life altering moment. I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street and I suffered from a really bad concussion. And for me, it just completely changed everything. And I had and have so much privilege that allowed me to take this risk and opportunity that it became less of should I do this? That would be so fun. Oh my God. Could you imagine to, I have to do this. I can't not like, I'll never get this opportunity again. So what did you envision your, I remember you coming to me and you saying, right. I think I'm going to quit JP. Like I'm do this full time. And I remember saying in my head, I don't know. I probably said this too, you know what I mean? But like, no, you did you do like, what is the end goal? So like when mm-hmm. you were leaving your full-time job, which takes so much courage and like, I did, would never have had the like confidence to have, to have done that. Like I just never would have believed in myself enough to like leave a very good paycheck. I mean, I didn't even have a good yeah. my last job, but like leave a good paycheck and like pursue something full time. So like, where did you envision, like, what was your like plan or like, not really like, a, I don't mean like a business plan, like, no, was, but like, I know what you mean. And, like, yeah. Like what did you have in mind? So you started like that was a new new prep for people. Yes. I know. It feels like a different life. So just going off what you said first about like leaving and what a big decision it was, it took so much for me and there was so much back and forth, but it had just hit a point where mentally I was not well. My anxiety was insanely high. I was having panic attacks about going to work. Like I wasn't in a good mental space. I had felt very depressed and lonely, even though I had the dream job and the great boyfriend and all the family and friends in New York and this awesome apartment, I felt lonely as hell. And I just wasn't happy. And for so long, I valued money over my happiness because I had a really good paycheck and I come from a privileged and fortunate upbringing. And for me, that was just all I knew. And I couldn't fathom not having it. And I also wore my job like a badge of honor. It was huge for my ego. I loved telling people, especially older people or males that I worked there because immediately I felt like I had their respect. And so, yeah. Oh my God. I loved being at bars when you ask, like if you're talking to someone and I'm like, oh, what do you do? And the guy's like, I work in finance. I'm like, that's not an answer. So I'd be like, oh, what do you do in finance? And then they do something like not to judge other people's jobs, but they're like, and what do you do? And I'm like, yeah, I work in sales and training. I work in finance too. Asshole. You could have just told me what you did before I had to ask you 10,000 questions. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I, it was definitely something that I toyed around with for a long time, but quite honestly, I had decided that I wasn't going to leave because I had a great career path ahead of me. I really did. I was doing really well. And I had thought that, you know, Freckles Beauty will just be a fun side thing. You know, I don't even know how I'd make it a business. And then the accident happened. And I really treat the accident as a before and after moment of my life that changed quite honestly everything for me. And so when I decided that I was going to leave, I obviously brainstormed, not like a business plan, but what can I do? Because I have to make some form of money. And I was fortunate that I had saved up a decent amount of money that I could take this risk and potentially not make any money in the beginning. And again, with this type of career, there's not a massive overhead cost. I'm not like leasing a building. 
I'm not like purchasing products or, you know, there's none of that. So I kind of sat down and I was like, all right, if I can grow my Instagram to do my goal was one sponsor post a month. And if I can have like four health coaching clients a month, because I was just graduating from health coaching school. And if I can have meal prep clients. And so this was when I started to really put my name out there with everyone in my life of like, hey, I'm leaving my job. These are all the services I'm offering. Here's a draft email explaining everything. Please just hit forward to anyone and everyone you know. And it kind of created this spider web where I was really fortunate. I created a really great bucket like of meal prep clients. And so I would go into their homes. We'd create a menu. I'd go into their homes while they were at work. I'd cook for them. I'd stock their fridge. I'd clean their kitchen. I'd leave. They'd come home and everything was done. And I mean, in New York, people pay pretty decent money for this kind of stuff if you get the right clientele. So I was doing well. I wasn't doing like what I left, but I was doing okay. And I was really proud of myself. But after like six months of doing that, I realized I did not enjoy it. And that's fine. You have to try something at least once or a few times to realize whether it's for you. But I got to the point where I was like, I'm still not making nearly as much money as I was. I'm not much happier. I'm still pretty anxious. And I'm not getting to create the content that I wanted to create, which is why I left. Like time-wise, it was really a lot. And so then after six to eight months of meal prepping, I was like, you know what? We're solely going to focus on content. I took another pay cut that has thankfully paid off. And then, yeah, that's kind of when I started to grow my account more, show myself more, share my story, start my podcast. And I still am nowhere near what I used to make at JP. I think also just because it was so outlandishly high, but I value my happiness a lot more. I've changed my lifestyle and I'm able to do that. So I'm very grateful for the decision because I think about what my life would be like if I hadn't made it. And it's wild to me. I think the meal prepping that you did at first was like real, it was like genius, especially for that point. That was when meal prepping was really becoming not like trend. I mean, I guess it kind of trendy. It was like very totally trendy. Wanted home cooked food. They didn't want to eat out all the time. And like, if someone was willing to do that for you, do all the heavy lifting, which is the biggest pain in the ass of doing that. Why not? And I remember thinking that was like a really good idea because it also gave you the opportunity to like simultaneously grow your brand to then like build the following to gain more sponsored opportunities because you and I both know like brands aren't going to pay unless you're like, no, a certain something. So to be able to like have that as like income in the meantime was smart because if you can't go immediately into sponsored posts, like you need some type of like monetary. But I remember you saying to me, like when you said you were going to stop doing it, you're like, I don't even cook for Joe and I anymore. Like, no, like, like I don't even cook for us. Like, I'm tired. And like, I don't blame you. I hated cooking. I would do three clients a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. And then I just would get home. I'd be so tired. And also for me, I'm an anxious person. There's no doubt about it. But logisticals can make me anxious and things out of my control. And when you're ordering groceries and then fresh direct doesn't arrive on time, but you have to get to the next apartment, like the whole thing was a logistical kind of nightmare to do in New York, in my opinion, for my personal mental health. Now, when you were also, when I met you, you had a lot of like food-ish restrictions too. When I first had met you, you did not eat garlic and onion, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I still think of you as someone who doesn't eat garlic and onion. And I know <laughs> you do. I just like always, cause I was like, when I had met you, like you didn't eat garlic. I know. And to me, that was like, 
so random. Like I never well, heard. It's so funny because now it's a little bit more, not that it's like popular, but people know what the low FODMAP diet is. Yeah. At that time when I was Googling all these things about it, like I wasn't seeing anything about it. But yes, I do eat it now. However, I still like raw onion is the grossest thing to me. It always has been. So I would never touch it with like a 10 foot pole. But that's not digestive reasons. I hate it. So for me, when we met, that was in like probably like the peak of my GI issues. And I just released a solo episode kind of walking through all of this. And my mom called me and was like, you went through the ringer. How did I not acknowledge all of these things that happened to you between like, I had a random appendectomy. I had a hernia removed. I had SIBO twice. I had Giardia and C. diff. Then I had shingles. Like then they found out I had mercury poisoning. It all, it was wild. Mercury poisoning. I know. Crazy. But I think that was honestly the cause of all this. So anyway, I had all these GI issues and I go way more into detail and depth in that episode. I don't want to like, you know, take up time talking about that, but it did lead me to all these elimination diets. And while I think that the intention is positive because you're trying to figure out what's causing so much pain and the symptoms were so real, I couldn't breathe at night. Like it was something I had to do. The impact was difficult for me as someone who can be obsessive and really likes tangible assets and rules and, you know, black and white. And for me, it became a little too much. Like I just paid too much. It it just became too obsessive. And suddenly, like I was so concerned constantly about what I was eating. And obviously it came from a good place because I was worried about a flare up, but it just took over too much of my life. And so at that point I was, I was garlic and onion free for honestly, almost like three years. And I would flare up if I had it, like it wasn't fake. It wasn't like a mental, I mean, there's so much mental that goes into the situation and anxiety about how you feel when you're sitting down to a meal and how that impacts your digestion. But yeah, that was so, yeah, it's wild for me to think about how like crazy I used to be going into restaurants or social settings about what food was going to be there. What ingredients are they using? What spices? I really feel right now I'm in the best place I've ever been with food, 100%. But I think that it's a really big struggle that a lot of females, specifically our age, go through because we're all trying to get to the bottom of these GI issues that so many of us have. And it is really, really windy road that can become really steep really quickly. Oh, I could not agree more. And I think this is like three to four years ago. I think everyone was like very like overly diagnosed in a lot of ways. You know, there's already so many pressures from society to like look a certain way and like act a certain way. Like, you know, we grew up and especially like our mom's generations grew up and like looking like thin and whatever was like, it was a huge Mm -hmm. deal. And now that like our generation, like everyone's just so fixated on it that you're getting stomach aches, I think from like stress half the time and like anxiety. And like, I do believe some people cannot eat certain things like garlic and I probably really Mm -hmm. impact some people. But I also think that when you're going out for dinner, going in there, like already being nervous that you're going to get a flare up. Right. being nervous that the restaurant's going to fuck up your order and then nervous that you're not going to be able to order anything like that's going to upset your stomach probably more than if you totally that's like doesn't digest well with you and like I went through something like that that was very similar where I was told mm-hmm. I had candida or like yeast overgrowth which plot twist almost everyone has some type of like candida in their gut I like later on learned but then I became afraid of like bananas and sugar right. 
and like anything like that. And as someone who like makes a living off of banana bread, that's <laughs> like, oh, like work with me. Like I love bananas more than anything in this world. So, and that like puts more stress on your stomach and makes you feel more sick in general. But even last night I was looking at someone's Instagram story and they said they were like, they were having bone broth for dinner because they had a flare up earlier the day from like having matcha. Oh God. How do you know that like it's always something food related? Like even Jordan, when he has a stomach ache, they'd be like, yeah, I think it's from this. I'm like, how do you know it's not just like another factor in your life that's making your stomach hurt right now? Like it's not always food. That's right. Like- and I think that takes a hundred percent. And I think it takes a lot of work of like learning your body and listening to your body. Because for me, I can now very easily tell I carried my entire life. I carried my anxiety in my stomach and I was diagnosed lactose intolerant as a kid. I like would go to the nurse before lunch to take my lactate. Like I'm not lactose intolerant. I would then like eat ice cream every single night. But in the middle of the night, I would have these awful stomach aches. And these memories are so vivid to me lately, but I would take warm baths and wake up my mom and she'd sit with me and I'd eat cinnamon ego waffles, like the four ones, the minis. I'd rather you feed those. The best. And I honestly think a lot of that was like a cry for attention because I'm the middle child and I wanted time alone with her. And also anxiety induced. Like I had so much anxiety as a kid that I'm now unpacking now that I have the verbiage to explain and the knowledge to really look back at situations. And for me, I'm very easily able to decipher now when I have a stomach ache from something I ate that just did not sit well. Yes. Whereas I have anxiety, stomach pain, without a doubt. And I'll say to Joe sometimes when we're sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, I have such bad anxious stomach pain. And like, it's just different. And it exists. You know, we manifest our anxiety and nerves and all of these emotions we have, they come through physically differently for everyone, but it plays a huge role in our digestive health, the mental aspect we have going into these meals, not like, let alone the impact it has on our overall mental health. No, I couldn't agree more. And I actually call my stomach ache stress pains where I get, and I've had these since high school. Like I had them when I was trying to apply for colleges and figure out like what, like where I thought like my future held, where I think yeah. I was going to go to school. And now I still, I actually was getting them early on in this pregnancy and I've had them my whole life. It's like almost like my upper abdominal, like by my ribs, I get sharp shooting pains and I know that they're stress pains. Like it's never right. in my head like something I ate, something that's like, I didn't settle. I'm like, no, like this is just like stress pains that like accentuate. And they always come around the same time of the day. Like, and it's just in the past, I would have taken that out on food and been like, okay, well, what did I have for breakfast, snacks and lunch and stuff that like would have led to that. And it's like, no, Rachel, that's just like, you're really stressed right now and you don't feel well. And your stomach is like feeling that for you. And I think it's so important if people are really struggling, like obviously seek medical help and there's so much food really can impact you. We really can have digestive health issues and like, you know, keeping a food journal and trying elimination diets when you're severely impacted as I actually was at that time was incredibly beneficial for me, but you really have to be aware of the easy spiral. And I think the rest of us just have to accept that like, we're not always going to feel 100% 24/7 and it doesn't ha- food is not always to blame like we don't have to take it out on something that's supposed to be nourishing us and keeping us alive when did you stop worrying about like the garlic and the onion and cutting foods out like how did you kind of transition into looking at food again as just food like as fuel and enjoyment honestly the accident it sounds so crazy that one thing could change my life so much but 
It really did because for me, tied into the food, I was also, I had a bit of an obsessive relationship with exercise because I've been an athlete my entire life and it was just something that I loved, but then became something that I could control in a very anxious world. And the accident for me forced me to sit on my couch and I couldn't read. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't go outside much. Like I really couldn't do anything. And all I did was journal and speak to people on the phone who were close to me. And it was actually when I learned how to, and then deep into my meditation practice. And for me, it like the whole thing, those two months completely changed the way I then went on to live my life. And it put things in perspective for me, not only about my career, but my brain space and how much more important stuff there is in the world going on than what I'm eating. And while I wish like that was the moment it all changed, it obviously took time since then. And there was a lot of body image stuff wrapped up in that. And food is obviously intertwined in that journey. But even this past summer, like I hadn't really been eating gluten based on my doctor's suggestions because I had high like inflammatory markers. And they think that, you know, they told me that I was intolerant to gluten, but not celiac. And I started to notice that I was fearful of it. And I really was like, I don't want to be afraid of a food. Food should not hold power over me. And this summer we were at the beach and there's this pizza place called Rosie's in Point Pleasant. That's absolutely amazing. And my family was ordering it. I turned to Joe and I said, for the first time in so long, I'm not like concerned and I'm curious if I'll react. So I'm just going to eat the pizza tonight and see what happens. And like, I might have a flare up tomorrow. And if I do, that's fine, but I'm just curious and I'm not anxious about it. I just want to see. And I was fine the next day. And so for me, I don't think I'd feel great if I was eating like a Wendy's cheeseburger three times a day, every day. However, like certain gluten, whatever, or meals that I'm having, like it's not having the impact on me that I actually believed it always was going to, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I stopped not that I stopped caring, but I started caring about other things that are way more important. Well, I think that gluten has become like a huge enemy. It's like the arch totally. like food. And I'm someone who I, I create a shit ton of gluten-free recipes. I, want, I would think basically every recipe on my blog is gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And I don't eat gluten-free. Like I eat right. And like I go for, we're going for pizza tonight. Like I don't eat gluten. Like there's probably not a full day that goes by that I don't have some type of like gluten in it. I do recognize like now in like, like our country, especially like like heavily processed gluten is like made of pure shit. So it just ends up being products that I love. They do happen to be gluten-free because they don't have like processed like wheat flour and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to just like the enjoyment of food, which I think is so important and like going out, I always give the going out for dinner with your family for pizza as like my example, which is funny because mm-hmm. what you had said, I don't want to be like the pain in the ass who's like not getting the pizza because they're like afraid of gluten. And it's like, I don't right. have to feel that like get severely ill. And then there's like people that just like have something in their head because of like what everyone on Instagram is telling them not to eat. And I think that that could have really like F with you after a while. And it's like what we said before, you have those fears in your head. And I think that that could hurt your stomach more than just eating the pizza itself and just, you know, enjoying yourself. Anyone who's going to have like pizza like that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or even dinner every night for a week, like your stomach's going to hurt. Like that's just, no one's meant to be eating the same exact thing for dinner at night anyways. But 
to like give that up and like sacrifice like the like quality meal time with your family. And I think someone, I'm like a firm believer, like everyone throughout their life goes through some type of like disordered thoughts or perspective on food. It's just a matter of kind mm-hmm. of when it happens. Do you agree with that? Like, do you think that everyone like kind of struggles at some point? For the most part, I mean, yes. Like almost everyone in my life, when I look and think back of like their timeline, yes. And, you know, I definitely had, str- it's like, I will never say I had an eating disorder because I don't think I did, but I definitely struggled mentally with like the control over food and wanting to make sure I was only eating the best of the best. And I think it's twofold. One, I, you know, I bring this up often. My mom struggled with a pretty severe eating disorder and she was very open about it during my entire childhood. It wasn't like it was a big secret, but I do think that there are things that I heard growing up that like, you know, they form thoughts. And so I think that played a role in the way I thought about food when I became obsessed with it. And then on the other side, just what media is telling us. Like at this point, I think we were around the same time. Instagram was all like juice cleanse and you elimination diets and no one eat bananas or gluten or so like there was just so much at that time that every podcast I listened to was telling me to do something. And I just thought I was doing the right thing. I know. And that's what's deceiving because there's so many people that are benefiting from eliminating certain things and doing certain things for their body. I really do believe like people that are like terminally ill or like do have allergies or something like that's fine. But for most people that like are okay, like they don't need to become so fixated all on these Mm -hmm. things. It's like kind of like my thoughts on like celery juice. Like a lot of people benefit from drinking celery juice. We get that. But I've had like Dr. Lippman on here and like Kelly Levesque on here and like they phrase it so nicely. It's like, Kelly, I remember, I'll never forget like what she said. She goes, we all know celery is healthy for you. Like it's not a miracle cure though. Like sure, have some of it. But then like Dr. Lemon's like, celery is pure sugar. So you're just giving yourself more sugar in the end. Like what, like it's not going to fix all of your problems. Mm -hmm. I will say just because you brought up celery juice, it's so funny to me because for me, when I was deep in my issues, I've worked with a healer for the past uh, now 15 plus years of my life. And she must have read medical medium. It's not like she made it up, but she told me to start drinking it. So there was a phase of my life where I was drinking it and I would go to juice shops and be like, can I have juice please with just celery? And they'd be like, no, you're crazy. I would get so mad. I'm like, I'll pay you. It's just a juice. Like, please. It was before it was a trend. And I will never forget that juice press denied me and made me feel like an idiot. And now look at them. And so yeah, when they started selling bottled celery juice, I was like, who's laughing now? But I it did really help my digestive health issues personally because I was severely bloated and constipated. But again, I wasn't telling everyone in the world that they need to drink celery juice. I think that's the difference of like when you have a platform, something can work for you, but that doesn't mean it'll work for everyone. I use garlic as my example all the time. I could not tolerate it, but garlic is an incredibly healing food. Yeah. And if I had gotten on my platform and like scared the bejesus out of everyone and told them not to eat garlic, that'd be insane. But people did it with bananas. So I just think you really have to, A, if you have a platform, take that into account that what works for you will not work for everyone else. It's called bio-individuality. We're all different. And if you're a consumer, just like pay attention to what you're consuming in the sense of, are you thinking that you have to eat a certain thing or do a certain thing or not do these things or not eat these things because an influencer told you to? Like, 
that's not the right mentality to go about life. No. And that's, what's really scary to me about even like just personally having a platform. Like I'm always walked such a fine line and like what I say and how I say it on Instagram. Like my mom always said, like, think before you speak. And that's something that I do every single day on there because you're not, (laughs) (laughs) but you have a lot more followers than me. So it's fine. (laughs) I'm just so cautious because I know that like when I'm consuming other people's content, I take what they're saying so literally at times. Mm -hmm. And I don't want like me to post something and then someone to take that like, oh, well, like this is what has to be right then. And I think even if I'm sitting there saying like, this is what works for me, it's not necessarily what's going to work for you. Someone's still going to take that information and like use it because they think that's what's going to work for them. And when people Mm -hmm. always ask for like what I eat in a day videos, or like anything that has to do with that. I'm not like anti those. I'm not like out there with like a picket pickles, popsicle stick, um, (laughs) signs, like hating them, but I've always been so wary, weary on, on doing them. And I did once in the summer and I had like people being like, well, you eat a lot more than I do in a day. And I'm like, this is why I don't do this stuff because I'm not here to tell you that like anything I do is right. Like this right. is not just because I'm having this doesn't mean you need to have this. And like, it's scary to have that type of influence and impact on someone else. But like even posting stuff and you'll see soon when you announce that you're pregnant, like, which we will, we're going to get to in a couple minutes, but once you Oh God, I'm so scared. It's like uh, my biggest piece of advice is just to like not acknowledge every single message that you're going to get because it's going to be very overwhelming. Like I posted a bagel with locks. Meanwhile, all of it eating is smoked salmon. I'm like hundreds of messages. And some, and I'm just like, I did a whole podcast episode all on prenatal nutrition. because right. I wanted to debunk any type of like myth. And it's a really, really helpful episode. And like, mm-hmm. you see me drinking kombucha as I'm talking to you. Like, that doesn't mean that what I'm doing is right. But this is like what I'm doing for my body. Like I'm on out there. Like I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. I'm not having coffee right now. I'm not going to start drinking coffee when I'm pregnant, but if it's something that my body's been used to, like kombucha and locks. And so I ate hummus and someone was like, oh my God, you're eating hummus when you're pregnant. Why would I eat hummus? I'd never heard of that. I'm like, the only thing that I don't eat is are things that don't sound good to me. Like I love oysters and like raw clams and things like that. But like right now while pregnant, that actually sounds repulsive. So I don't want to eat that, but it's so hard to like put show the day in the life of you and like what you're doing and then have people ask because people just take it very seriously which I I'm very responsible about that like I don't want to give people information that's going to like harm them in it I don't know, like on a rampage about this right now just off of like no my- I totally get what you're saying because there's a responsibility that comes with the following yeah and you're cautious of that but at the same time people need to take certain things with a grain of salt because you're not a doctor and neither am I and I mean, smoked salmon, lox is the perfect example. It's one of my favorite foods. I grew up eating it all the time. All of my friends are like, Cami is more Jewish than I am. Like, it's my friend. <laughs> literally, my Jewish best friend is like, you eat 10 times more lox than I do. But it's one of my favorite foods. And it's weirdly been something I'm craving. And I talk to my doctor. I'm like, I'm fine eating it. I feel comfortable eating it. Again, I'm not eating raw shellfish. Also, just because it sounds disgusting to me right now, but I realize that like that probably has potentially a higher risk. So I'm just going to veer off of it for now. I love coffee. It's literally what I look forward to every day. And 
currently, it's honestly been one of the hardest things in my first trimester. And we can get into how hell of a trimester I've had, but I can't stand the scent of it. I cannot be near That's it. how I've been this whole pregnancy is a smile. If Joe it. drinks it and he kisses me, I'm like, get away from me. Yeah. So if I could consume it and be near it, I'd be drinking it. You better believe it. But I just think that, you know, I have a hard time also because I just think that not enough recent research has be done, been done, especially on things like, you know, CBD and even weed. I'm not telling pregnant people to have weed, smoke weed and I haven't been, but like, I just think a lot of this could be updated, but obviously no one wants to perform tests on pregnant women. So I get it. No one wants to do the research. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. So yes, are you comfortable with me sharing like a little bit about like you? Yeah, everything. Yeah. So I mean, you guys know, I personally have gone through like a fertility journey to conceive both of my pregnancies and a few, this is probably like what, three months ago, two months ago, you had called me. It was in, I found out in September. September. It was in early August that I called you. You had called me and you had said that your doctor wanted you to see like a fertility doctor to like get some testing done because you had a low AMH level. Yeah. And we dived into AMH levels, the anti-malaria hormone in my podcast episode with Dr. Foreman. It's from a few weeks ago. So definitely refer back to that for more information. But basically it measures like your ovarian, like your reserve of how like fertile you are. And again, don't quote me on my like lack of scientific <laughs> language and how I phrase that. That's more than I can explain. <laughs> well, now I've been in like the, the trenches of this. For, right. Like, four, I feel like I'm like used to it at this point, but you had a lower AMH level and your doctor had said to you or recommended you see a fertility doctor. So tell a little bit about your story because you saw a doctor. Yeah. So Joe and I hadn't even started trying our plan. We got married October, 2018. And we had always been like, let's wait like two years and have some time with the two of us. And then we'll like start trying. So that brings us to October, 2020 and or fall 2020. And obviously I had so many emotions throughout COVID and quarantine. And I was like, I want a kid right now. I'm still a kid. I can't have a kid. I want a kid right now. I can't have a child. What is the world? I'm still going through those. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a child. I, I still can't believe I have a child growing inside of me. And I basically, because of my medical history that I touched on, I just wanted to get ahead of this. I had been on birth control since from, I got, went on the pill at the age of 15. I know I was very young. And I was then on the pill for a long time. And then I had an IUD and I got it taken out when I was 27. So it was on some form of birth control for 12 years. And it then took me a full year to get my period. And so I just felt like knowing me not to be like negative Nancy, but I just was so concerned that this was going to be a difficult process for me. And all I've ever wanted to do was be pregnant. And I felt like because of that, it was going to be even harder. So I asked my doctor to do just some routine blood work and see if everything was okay before we started trying. So in July, I got the blood work done. And in, I think early August, it must have been, it came back that my AMH was a 0.7, technically one through four is fertile. And she ex- would have expected me to be like high two, low threes at my age. We tested it again, same level. So she wanted me to go see a fertility specialist. I had a phone call with one because of COVID. And the fertility specialist was like, you know, this level is alarming. And you should do IVF right now. And I was like, I, excuse me? Like, so confused. And 
she basically told me it was like an insurance policy because I might be able to get pregnant now, but who knows about next time. And obviously that fear still is inside of me, but whatever, I'm not going to think about it. And she wanted Joe and I to freeze embryos ASAP for this first pregnancy and future ones. And I got off the phone call just like, well, I mean, if that's what a doctor is telling me to do, I have to do it. And I was pretty like, Joe, we're doing this. Like, we're going to do IVF. We're going to freeze embryos. Like, you know, we're going to figure out how to financially afford this. It's so expensive. And I called my mom and told her. And obviously, even though I was on board, I did want to get a second opinion. So that's when I called you. And I ended up speaking with Dr. Foreman, who's amazing, as you guys know from listening to Rachel. And he was like, let's do some more testing. I, I don't think we have to dive into IVF. But I do want to test some other things. So next time you menstruate, come in and we'll do the other blood work. And I said, okay, that's fine. So it's wild to me that this all happened. But during the month of August, when I had been told that we were going to have to do IVF, I was a little bit more laissez-faire about the way I was preventing a pregnancy, I guess you could say. So there wasn't fully a goalie, but we were using tactics that we kind of just like, stopped really doing in August because I'm like, well, they said my like, we're going to have to do IVF anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so then September rolls around like mid early September and I start getting these really awful, awful cramps and I have really bad period cramps. So I just thought I was getting my period a few days early. I called Dr. Foreman. I'm like, okay, I'm about to bleed because I'm cramping so badly. Let's schedule this appointment, blah, blah, blah. And two days go by with the bad cramping and I still haven't bled yet. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like normally this happens right away. Like I have one night of cramps. And to be totally honest, I plan on sharing this on my platform as well. I was going to do mushrooms on a Saturday. And I had said that because we weren't as safe that month of August, I should do a test just to be sure before I do a type of drug. And I found a pregnancy test in my bathroom, probably from high school because I'm at my parents' house. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just take it. Didn't even tell Joe, peed on the stick, left the bathroom. Like Rachel, when I tell you, I thought there was zero chance I was pregnant. I come back into the bathroom 20 minutes later and it says pregnant. And I literally almost shit myself. I scream for Joe. He sprints in the bathroom. He thinks like there's a mouse or like he's done something wrong. I'm like, I just took a pregnancy test and it says I'm pregnant. He's like, what? What are you even like? There were just so many emotions because it was like, obviously we're excited, but at the moment we were so confused and shocked. And of course he didn't even know I was taking the test. So he was really thrown off. Yeah. Like, and he's, okay. yeah. And he is so, so literal, like the most literal person in the world that he was like, well, is this test right? What if the test is expired? How old is this test? Kimmy, how do we know? I'm like, Joe, it's not like a plus or minus. It literally said pregnant. So we go to CVS and we get more tests. <laughs> and so I'm like, Joe, if this says I'm pregnant, then like we're pregnant. And obviously you did. And now I am here about to finish my first trimester as we record this. Oh my gosh. When you, I randomly called you out of the blue to like say hello. Well, I had been avoiding your calls. <laughs> because I wasn't ready to tell you yet. And I can't lie to people. So I literally avoided all of my friends for a few weeks. Well, it was weird because like I saw it and it's like, I never thought like by watching your story, I never, I never said, I think she's pregnant, but you were eating like everything that like 
I want. I know, <laughs> but I never even put two and two together. And when you, I had a dream about Conti's pizza in Princeton. <laughs> and when you posted the story of Conti's and I was like, oh my God, I want that so bad. And I had a dream about it the night before. I'm like, yes. that's so weird. And then I had called you like a day or two after and you told me you're pregnant. I started bawling. I know you were so off. cute. Because I mean, it's just, it like truly warms my heart because I just, I know what it's like to be in the position of going to the doctor and the doctor, like I went to other doctors before Dr. Foreman and I didn't like any of them and them telling me like, not taking it this, like not getting to know me or like my body to like figure out like what it was going to take to get pregnant. Just kind of acted like, okay, you're just another person who's going to have to go through the same process. You're another paycheck, honestly. Yeah. Like I called Dr. Foreman before you spoke to him and was like, cause I had to call him with like some other mm-hmm. things anyways. And I asked him about like your situation and I was like, she has a regular period now. Like her AMH is just lower. And he's like, Rachel, like this is not a must right. like, IVF or any type of fertility treatment. Like if her other levels are okay, she likely will get pregnant on her own. It just, he's like, if she doesn't get pregnant, like yeah. then for six months or so, like if she's in a rush, we could start now. But he's like, I would have her try naturally. And that's why I love him because he's just so, Same. I don't want to say he's like, optimistic, but he's like realistic in like a positive way yes. where not everything's like so black and white. And of course the day, so we found out we were pregnant on September 11th, which actually means a ton to me because we lost one of our closest family friends. And so for me, it just kind of felt very full circle. And that morning, it was a Friday and that's the day I released my podcast episodes. And of course that day was the Elisa VD episode that released. And at the end, I'm like, so my doctor told me we might have to do IVF. I have a low AMH. I'm going on and on about how we potentially are going to have to do IVF. Like starting this whole fertility journey that I thought I was going to have to go down. That night I found out I'm pregnant. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? So then I'm getting all these DMs being like, I hope, encouraging. But yeah. a lot of women actually reached out being like, I hope you know that I actually had a really low AMH and I had no problem getting pregnant. Like it's not the only thing. And I was like, that's so encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> See, but like, it's, I'm not happy that you had like a doctor said this to you, but like, I, it's awesome that you got to go through this, like very small, like bit of a journey. I agree. I didn't, because you're going to openly talk about that. And like, that's going to help so many other women and couples everywhere that like get that same feedback. And, you know, not all of them are going to get as lucky as you guys did, but I'm so lucky later, but they're going to have that in the back of their head. And that's like very inspiring to listen to and to hear. And did, did you tell Dr. Foreman that you were pregnant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, w- I was supposed to have an appointment with him okay. on Monday. I found out I was pregnant on Friday. I, t- I emailed him. I'm like, uh, can you call me? I just took a pregnancy test and I'm pregnant. Like what's happening? So let's dive into your first trimester a bit. So clearly yes. you were on the same like <laughs> Rachel diet for preg- oh. pregnancy number two. Like I cannot explain to you. And I just wrote out my whole blog post and I'm going to record an episode announcing I'm pregnant just because I feel like obviously I have a lot to say. I could talk to anyone. And like, I'm so grateful that I'm pregnant and I'm so fortunate for how easily it happened. But that does not change the fact that I have really fucking struggled the past three months. And it was, I think, a mix of physically, it was so difficult. I had morning, quote unquote, morning sickness, 24 hours a day, even through the night. If I roll over and have to pee, which is the most annoying pregnancy thing in the world, I'd be so nauseous in the middle of the night. It'd be all day long. Were you I'd be constantly just feeling nauseous. 
So I actually, I projectile vomited once everywhere all over the kitchen, but I'm not someone who throws up, like even hungover. I've never thrown up from a hangover or actually one time I did. Like, it's just not something that happens to me. So it's almost as if I have the throw up like stuck in the back of my throat and I would sit on the toilet, like leaning over and I'd kind of like black out my eyes would tear, like my mouth gets so saliva. So it feels like it's about to happen. And then it never did. But it was at all hours of the day. And I had awful headaches. That's like the last symptom that I still have right now. And just such fatigue. And I honestly like did not leave my bed or couch for a long extended period of time. And for me, someone who exercises like five times a week, I just exercised for the first time this week in three months. So it really like I, I truly listened to my body. I let myself rest. However, it was really physically draining. I would cry 24 seven. And emotionally, it was really hard because for me, I never expected any of this. And I'm someone that like when reality is different than my expectations, it's hard for me. And I think I had these expectations of like being this, like what I see all over the internet, a bubbly, pregnant, like beautiful baby glow, like so excited. And I'm not saying I wasn't excited to be pregnant, but I, I dreaded every single day. And my anxiety was through the roof. I ended up going back on anxiety medications. I definitely felt depressed. Like I I'm finally feel like I'm on the other side of it. Even we had to reschedule this because I was not last time, but yeah. it, it was really hard, really, really hard. It, it's something that you really can't ever be like prepared for. And I remember last week when I was like, are you going to be okay to do this? And you said, yeah, I go, no, no, no. Let's just reschedule this because like, yeah. I and like, they're, I'm very easy going when it comes to this. Like I, I could not get out of bed with Ezra. I was fine. I was one of those annoying people you saw on the internet that (laughs) didn't have one complaint in the world and felt great. This pregnancy, I like ate shit for the first 12 to 13 weeks and couldn't get out of bed until like nine o'clock every morning, nine, nine 30. And then I'd feel fine until like three. So like I had a solid window, Mm -hmm. but like five or six would come around and I'd feel really sick again, but I was witching hour. Yeah. And well, it's funny because like now just having Ezra, I feel like when you're pregnant, your body is really preparing you for motherhood. And Mm -hmm. like that same time when I feel really, would feel really sick at six o'clock, like that's still Ezra's like really bitchy hour. I know it's Charlie's witching hour too. I'm like, quit barking at me, leave me the hell alone. Ez has been like that since he was born, like very cranky between like Mm -hmm. five and seven. And, you know, during in the morning, like he didn't sleep. Like just, I remember I don't sleep my first trimester that well either. Like I'm up all the time, not even to pee just because I'm just up. Like, almost yeah, like, I'm just not sleeping well. Like, yeah. Um, and you're so tired and so drained, but mm-hmm. you also feel like this other sense of like trust and faith within your body. Because like, imagine if you didn't have, if you hadn't overcome all of those like food like fears in a totally. way, like the gluten and stuff like that's like what your body's been asking for. Not everyone's body is like craving bagels and pizza and toaster waffles, but like most people's do crave majority of carbs in their first trimester. And I feel like being pregnant for me, is like really just like, okay, whatever. Like I eat whatever I want to eat when I'm pregnant. Cause that's yes. I've just totally leaned into the symptoms in every aspect, whether it's like, I don't have the energy to work out. I'm not in a million years going to force myself to not happening. I don't have the energy. Like, you know, I'm so grateful for the job I do right now. I cannot fathom being on a trading floor feeling like this. 
I'm also grateful that, you know, hopefully my later pregnancies aren't as bad as this, but the fact that I don't have a child to take care of right now. So I'm like really leaning into all of it and listening to myself. And especially when it comes to food, I have quite honestly only eaten bagels, pasta, pizza, and cereal and yogurt. I actually really love yogurt. Dang, but okay. like vegetable, I remember you telling me you hated the smell of roasted Brussels sprouts, was it? Yes. Oh my God. With mm-hmm. Ezra. Yeah. Like I can't, the concept of roasted veggies to me still, I'm not into, but the first, like it, it just disgusting to me. I don't think I had a vegetable for two and a half months. And I just, today I said to Joe, I want to make like a Greek salad and salmon for dinner. I'm actually craving a vegetable. So I, maybe I'm turning some type of corner, but there was a part of me where, you know, no matter how far you've come with overcoming diet culture and all of that, it was still a mind, I don't know, tease is the right word, but to eat only carbs for all day long for weeks on end, there was a point where I was like, is this okay? Like, wh- is this okay? And then I was like, yes, it is because I'm doing the most important job in the world right now of like growing a human. And if this is all I can stomach, then I have to eat it. That's what you just, you have to go with the flow. And this is just the beginning of that where, yes, I did not feel very good. Not I didn't eat vegetables besides arugula for the first three months. I had put arugula on my bagels because I could like put on a breakfast sandwich. It was easy. Yeah. And like sprinkle it on pizza. But like, I wasn't eating any, I couldn't even eat really like sweet potato fries. Like I didn't want anything that was like from the ground. Like I just like wasn't interested in it. But, you know, I also know that like at this point, it's temporary. And like one of my good friends, I was telling you before, is like, she's pregnant who lives in Hoboken and she's like counting down until the pregnancy's over. And I'm like the opposite where it's like, even when I'm feeling sick, like I know that like these moments of like carrying your child are so limited and they're so precious. And once that baby comes out, everything's changing for better, for the better and worse. Like it's just, you you will never be able to just lay in your bed without a care in the world ever again. And that's like, I used to take a bath at six o'clock, it'd be like my break from work six to seven. And then I'd have dinner at seven. This is also when Jordan was never home. And I would, that would be like my one hour, just like sit there and relax. And I like, can't do that. Like now, like, you know, of it's, course. Yeah. It's, types of things. it's crazy. And when you have a moment to sit down, you're like, Oh shit, I have to do Ezra's laundry or I have to like figure out what he's having for dinner or like pack a snack for the park. Or there's no, there's no better feeling than being a mom, but there's also no like, it's just crazy. Like, there's just so many things to think about that during this pregnancy, I'm just like as horizontal as I can as many times as I can during the day where I don't want to do anything. Yes. And I think I could use a little bit more of your mindset because to be honest, I have, like, I would wake up in the morning and I'm, I feel so horrendous that I am counting down the hours until the day is over. And I think that's what like, and that honestly plays into the depression aspect of it all because it's just so draining. But I do feel like now that I've started to feel a little bit better, I'm hoping to more enjoy the second and third trimester. I just feel like the first trimester and my mom would call me and just like face, we FaceTime every morning and she'd just look at me like, I, I don't even like, she just wants to cry. She's like, I can't even look at you. You just look so <laughs> miserable. Like Your mom had a similar pregnancy, like in first trimesters. You know, I keep asking her and I can't get any information. I'm going to say the answer is no, because she was an investment banker and there's just no way she would have like, no. And she would remember it. She doesn't seem to think that she did. See, my mom and I have had like very similar with Ezra. 
I, again, I was annoying. I didn't have any symptoms, but with this baby, I had like the same symptoms as my mom that she had and she was pregnant with me. Like That's I was interesting. Cause yours is the same gender. I know. Well, I have learned in my very not long and wise <laughs> few years of being a mother and <laughs> two pregnancies, but I have learned in these two pregnancies and I've seen this with friends and other people as well, that all the old wives tales and all mm-hmm. of those things, they mean nothing like right. literally nothing. It's just, it's a 50, 50 chance of the gender. Wait, so do like, you want to guess? Uh, I am always wrong. I'm always wrong. So I don't want to guess because then like, uh, well, it doesn't me, matter. Well, I have this theory that I have no scientific evidence on, but I have a theory that the world goes through like phases where they produce like all boys and it stops the phase. I just don't know when the phase stops. And then all these girls are going to be born. And then it's like, because everyone I know right now that's pregnant is having a boy. Like every <laughs> single person I know that is pregnant is having a boy. But they all got pregnant before you. And then like my other friend, the Lizzie Hoboke, I know she wants to have a girl. And so I, I even said to her, time, like, maybe this is the start of the girl. And she's, maybe she'll be the turn. Maybe you're the turning point for this. Like, I don't know. But then like, you know, Monique from Ambitious Kitchen, like she mm-hmm. had like a really shitty first trimester too, like how I did compared to her Sydney, her son, and she's having another boy too. So I don't know. I'm just gonna I'll keep going. I feel like you're having a girl. I'm having a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always wrong. I'm always, always wrong. No one ever asked me the gender if you want me to get the right thing. Oh my god, your dad is finally having a boy. He is so excited. I can't even oh tell my you. God, I'm like gonna cry for him. I remember when he saw Ezra over the summer. He's like, What a fun little man you have. And I was like, One he day just you'll wants, have too. All he wants is a boy. No, he doesn't, oh but he's so excited. Well, I know. I'm kind of crying people. too. Cammy is one of three girls. So her dad is like an angel of a, of a father. Well, like, also, my mom is one of three girls and the grandchildren. Oh, yeah. So my mom's one of three girls. The oldest girl had three girls. My mom had three girls and the youngest had two girls and then a boy. So we have eight granddaughters. So it's not just like my dad is surrounded by me and my sisters. Holiday time. It's only females in this house. Yeah, chills. I'm so excited for you. I'm so freaking excited. Obviously, I just wanted a healthy baby. Um, always. But however, I never really said this, but like I did. Well, my close, my sisters knew, but like I did really want a boy first. You did? Yeah, I've been practicing. Are you kidding? I'm a tomboy. My whole life has led up to having a son. It's funny because like when you look like me, you're not like oh my god, boy mom. But like when I look at you, I'm like boy mom. (laughs) Like you. (laughs) All my friends are like, thank God, because you would not know what to do with a daughter right now. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. Cindy, your mom would totally take care of it. But I know. I don't know. She's not gonna know what to do. She's like, I don't know what to do with a baby boy. Oh, if I can figure it out over no baby experience plus having no interest in anything <laughs> you're interested in, she'll be fine. I have to send you the video. Joe is out of control when we found out last night. Oh, yeah, please send it to me. How, wait, so okay, how so did you find out? Did the doctor call you? Did you get an email? <laughs> okay, so she emails me. I love my OB so much. And you'll see in the banter of the video, we were like joking around like we're friends. She emails me and she's like, good news. Your NIP test, NIPT test came back negative. I have the gender. Call me. I don't get cell service in my house. We live in a dark zone. So she had called me, but I didn't have a missed call. So I don't have her cell phone number at this point. She thinks I do because she called me twice and left a voicemail. 
So I email her. I'm like, Dr. Gupala, I just tried calling, obviously the office, but I don't have your cell phone. Like call me at my house number. She doesn't see the email. Meanwhile, as we're recording this, Rachel, it's Friday. We still don't know who's going to be the next president. So last night I'm pacing around the kitchen already. Like what are the results? And now to add this to the stress, I'm like a mess. I literally was doing laps around our kitchen oh island. So finally I email her again. I'm basically in all caps. I'm like, have I missed you for the night? Call me. What is going on? I need to know. What is your cell phone? And she goes, why have you not called me? And so I, she sends me her cell phone. I call her. She's like, it took you long enough. I'm like, Dr. Kubala, I didn't have your number. She's like, I left you three voicemails. Where have you been? I was like, I don't have stupid cell service. (laughs) I'm like this 350 year old house that we live in. (laughs) So we just, I recorded Joe and I, we were just on the phone on speaker and she's like, you're having a healthy baby boy. And we, we both thought we were going to have a girl. So we're like freaking out. Joe starts air shooting like basketballs. I didn't even realize, but when I sent the video to everyone, they were like, did Joe just do a back, like what's it called? <laughs> Jump shot. I'm like, yeah, I guess he did. He was so excited. Oh my God. We found, Joe and I found out on the phone too for, for Ezra's gender. Yeah. And then we like FaceTimed our family last night. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm like truly just so excited for your dad. I'm excited for you guys too, but I'm really excited. For that's him. everyone's comment. Thank God for Judd. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And we are yeah. sons. I know. When are you due? June? May 23rd. Oh yeah. Right. I'll remember, now I don't remember that because it's the day before my, my, the day I was due with my mom. Yes. Um, and something about you getting your, oh no, your braces off. When did you get your braces off? June 14th. <laughs> I, for some reason, I feel like you said it was around there. Also, I've had, I had braces for eight months. Like you would think I had braces for <laughs> Why eight Why do you know that date? Oh, no, no. Wait, hold on. That's my bat mitzvah date too. So it's a very important date. Okay. But I knew there was something. Our sons will be like three to four months apart. Yeah. And between you, one of my closest girlfriends will have a, has a son that will be exactly a year older. And oh. then two of my close girlfriends are due in January as well with boys. It, I mean, I'm kind of overwhelmed by how many boys we're graduating into this world. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really, really, it made everything honestly, like today's the best I've felt this entire time because it really made everything feel real. I think I felt so awful that, you know, my friends are like, are you so excited to be a mom? How's dad, how's Joe feeling about being a dad? And I'm like, I have not even come to the realization that we will be parents because I'm so concerned with trying to survive every day yeah, and get through. And this, I think was the one real big thing. And it came the week that I started to feel better as well. But like I went to bed last night, I couldn't stop smiling. I'm just so excited. And I think not that I haven't been excited to be pregnant, but to be honest, like it's been just really hard for me. And I've already been like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do this again. And I will, and I'll want to, but I, I think today and finding out the gender and I actually didn't want to find out the gender, but we did because Joe wanted to. So I'm grateful we did, but I just feel really excited and I haven't felt that way. Not to be like depressing, but I'm just really, really excited. Well, you also have the results that like the baby's healthy and like negative, which that's always like, I kept calling my sigh of relief our results were severely delayed because of COVID. 
Right. And I just kept calling every single day and they were like, Rachel, we don't have it. I'm like, you know what I'm like, I just want to be able to start telling people that I'm pregnant so they can like know why I've been so weird for the last few mm-hmm. weeks. So I actually told like, I feel like everyone in my life because I can't keep secret. I told like close people, but I just, yeah. knew, I don't know. I got I like, mean, I get it. I haven't announced on Instagram as we're recording this. When are you going to? I'm getting the, I forget the name of the scan on Monday, the Nick. Oh, the actual. Yeah. So I should, yeah, I should get that result back. So probably a week after that. So not this Monday, but next Monday. No, it should be immediate. Oh, well then maybe next week. Yeah. So like they, when you do the, when they do the scan, they just, they measure the fluid in the neck. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. No, Rachel, I literally know nothing. Like my friends ask me questions and I'm like, I just show up to the doctors because I have not Googled one thing. I have not read one thing. I can't let myself get obsessive. I've never Googled anything. Like Ezra will have like a weird like mark on his cheek. And then I'm like, whatever. He probably like rubbed his face on the couch or something. Yeah. My mom's like Googling it. Like, why are you Googling this? I can't, cannot. Yeah. God forbid something's not fine. I call the doctor, but just don't Google things. Stay in your own little like bubble. Yeah. I stay in my bubble. If you like need any questions, even though I don't know everything, but at this point I've gone. No, through. but you've experienced it. Yeah. No, the test it's like, we, I'm like the one I go to is that like St. Barnabas. It's like NJ perinatal. And then you go back there again for, um, the anatomy scan at like 22 weeks. And that's where you cool. like see what the baby looks like. Oh my God. The 3Ds. I can't get over that. My friend sent me her photo. I'm like, okay, but now I know what your child looks like. This is insane. I know. And it actually for Ezra is like looked like Ezra when he was born. Right. It's um, crazy. I know. And my children are very stubborn and I have to lay <laughs> on the bed for over two hours to get all of the stuff that they need to get. Oh yeah. I had to wear the mask for like three and a half hours straight at the doctor's office that day. And I was dying because then I break out in hives from wearing the mask and stuff. Just oh my God. the weird skin issues I have. And because like you'll see, like they have to get every finger and toe and it's important. It's like, I will lay there for 10 hours to know my baby's healthy. Right. It's a long time to like lay there with a <laughs> stomach jabbing at you. Like you're just Play-Doh. Well, I'm so freaking excited. I can't even. I'm so excited. About besides pregnancy <laughs> now, so I might as well quit while I'm ahead. No, I feel like we covered everything. I can't believe you're having a boy. I'm so happy for you guys. Our sons are. Thank you. To hang out, which is so freaking cool. And I know. I- have to buy a house in Melbourne or right where you're <laughs> that I'll really live close. How was the pizza place that you guys ordered from? So good. Arturo's good. really, you'll love it. Great I pizza. My house. Great salads, really good meatballs. Bread was amazing. Highly recommend. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, Cammy, tell everyone where they can find you, like your podcast, Instagram, you know, you know the drill. Everywhere yeah. get to stalk you. So everything is on my Instagram at Freckled Foodie. The podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. I do have a separate account for that, which is at FFN Friends Pod. I release an episode every Friday at 6 a.m. And my website is freckledfoodie.com. And like all other social channels are on there. I love you say 6 a.m. Who's up at 6 a.m.? I don't know. A lot of people. I am. Well, actually not right now. But no, Rachel, one day didn't release until 6.30. And like the commuters, I think I have like some business people, like finance from when I was at JP. And they were like, I couldn't listen to it on my commute this morning. Like, are you releasing? And I was like, Fuck, I'm still asleep. That's you know what I started doing because mine are on Mondays too. That I started releasing them now on Sundays, so that they're like yeah. already there, so I don't have to think about it. Because iTunes has like an, a lag sometimes. I do the auto release on the third party platform, but iTunes website lags, and so now recently the app has been lagging. So I I feel you. 
Well, thank you so much. And I hope everyone enjoyed listening to your amazing stories and hearing all about your baby. Thank you for having me.